This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Here at Harvest, if you're new with us, I see a lot of new faces. If you're new with us, uh, we're a family of Christ followers, and we love God, and because we love him, um, we want to be just like him. We choose to serve the world uh, as the hands and feet of Jesus, to love people just like he loves people. And, and, and we do, we gather together in community groups throughout the week, but, but we love, still love Sundays when our community groups all come together here to, uh, to worship the Lord together corporately. Uh, as I always say, at Harvest, we're a small expression of the body of Christ. And if you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? Our vision is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. So, yeah, last week we had Dr. Leon, but uh, last weekend we had him in, and that was an awesome time together. But um, uh, the couple weeks before that, um, we, I, I told you that I'd been feeling this urgency to help begin fostering um, a, a deeper uh, culture of worship within our church family. And I'm excited we're in this new series that we're calling A Life of Worship. Everybody say, A Life of Worship. I... Guys, I believe that many Christ followers don't really get worship. They don't really understand what worship is. They think worship is a, is a you know, a, a 20, 30, 40 minute time during service where we sing a few songs together. And while that's true, um, that is an expression of worship, I, I would argue that hopefully it is one of the very smallest facets of your life of worship is your Sunday morning corporate expression because worship encompasses so much more than just that. Um, a, a few weeks ago, we talked about how the wise men, remember when the wise men, the magi came to see the, the baby Jesus, the Christ child? And we talked about how when they came, they didn't come to him to get anything. They didn't have, what, what, what do you have to give God? I, I, some of you have a hard time buying a present for your mom, you know, or, or, or somebody. Could you imagine buy, I mean, buying a present for God? Somebody who, I mean, what, what do you have that he doesn't, right? What did they bring him? They bowed down. They gave him empty hands. They laid down their gifts before him. They simply came to worship. They didn't come to get anything. They came to worship him, to give their lives for him. Um, but I, I think, as I've said the last few weeks, I think that that, that many Christians today still believe that God exists for us, like he's here to make our life better. And it's just not the truth. We've bought into that lie. And thus, it's made these unrealistic expectations in us toward God. We think that he's the genie in the bottle, the genie in the Bible. We rub it just right, he's going to poof, come out and say, your wish is my command, right? The reality is God does not exist for us. We exist for him. And we were created to love him. We were created to bring him glory and honor and praise to make him known in the earth. And, and honestly, I, I believe that, that God wants much more from us in regards to our heart for worship toward him. I think that we need to go to the next level. And I believe that one of the greatest areas that we can improve is learning that worship is not something that we do on weekends, we worship seven days a week. Worship is not something you do. Worshiper, a worshiper is who you are. It was who you were created to be. So we started three weeks ago. And we started week one. We were talking about um, the theme was that worshipers live a life of uplifted hands. That, and we talked about how through history, the uplifted hands represent surrender 
and they represent victory. And it's the same with us in the body of Christ. Our uplifted hands, our posture, our heart posture of uplifted hands represents our surrender to Christ and our victory in Christ Jesus. It's a posture, and, and it's, more, you know, it's more than just the physical lifting of our hands. It's the posture of our life. It's the posture of our heart that our hands are lifted to them always in a posture of surrender as well as victory. And then two weeks ago, we talked about, sorry, that was three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about how worshipers live a life of generosity and how the, the wise men, we talked about how they were overjoyed, right? They were overjoyed to come before Jesus. They bowed down, they presented their gifts to him. Why? Because love gives. And God demonstrated that through Jesus, right? And, and I read to you Romans 5.8. I read it to you from the Passion Translation. It says, but God proved, Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. We love because God first loved us. Love loves to give. And God demonstrated that on our behalf. It's about, I ended with that two weeks ago, talking about how it's about living our life with open hands. Not holding on too tightly to anything that God gives us or God entrusts into us. And I, and I told you, if, if there's any one thing in your life that you couldn't let go of and give away if God asked you to in a moment, it's time to reexamine your heart again. Because he's our source. We don't trust in stuff. We don't trust in things. We don't trust in our bank account. We trust in God. So as believers, we should be known as the most overjoyed, generous people in all the earth. Worshippers live a life of generosity. So that's in the last two weeks. So we talked about living a life of uplifted hands. Worshippers live a life of uplifted hands. We talked about worshippers live a life of generosity. Next week, we're probably going to talk about um, worshippers live a life of bowed down before the king. Um, and, and so we, we talked about uplifted hands, talk about generosity. We're going to talk about um, the life bowed down. And really, those I think we would kind of consider to be postures of worship, right? And so today I want to talk about something just a little bit different that you may not really view necessarily as a posture of worship, but it certainly is an expression of our worship. And I believe that uh, in so many ways, it's going to help you to connect um, your soul, uh, your heart in, in intimacy with the Lord, maybe even like never, like never before. And so the theme for today that I want to talk about for a few minutes is worshipers live a life with their hearts poured out. Worshippers live a life with their hearts poured out. Now, you can follow along with notes. If, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or your mobile device, our notes are loaded on there. So if you open the YouVersion Bible app and you hit more and you hit events, if you have location services on, our notes for today will automatically pop up on your phone. You can also scan the QR code on the back of your chairs and you can follow along from there as well. So, um, so we're going to talk about this, pouring out our heart before God as an act of worship. Worshiping from the very depths of our soul. What is our soul? Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? Our, it, it is our heart. And so worshiping God by crying out from the very depths of our heart. And so I recognize that when I talk about doing this, there's some of us here that are in different positions and different seasons in our life. So you may be here today and you're like, you know, this is a really good season of my life. Things are going really good. And, and, and you're, just, you're just overwhelmed with gratitude to God for his, for, his, for his faithfulness in your life and his provision and everything else. And so if that's you, you pour out your heart in thanksgiving before him as an act of worship. 
Now, others of us are here, and you may feel like you're in a little bit of a rut right now. Any of you ever been in a rut before? I mean, somebody says, how's life going? If you're really honest, you'd say, eh, it's good. You know, it's like kind of going through the motions. Uh, we've all been there before. You feel like you're just kind of existing. And, and I would just tell you through this, you have the opportunity too to pour out your heart, to cry out to God, remembering that he is always faithful and he's always with you in all times. And then you may be in a very different place than even those two. You may be in a very difficult season in your life. And, and I believe this will probably speak most um, to you today. Maybe you're, maybe you're really struggling right now. Maybe, maybe it's financial. Or I, I know we've got several people in church that have lost loved ones recently. And, and maybe you're in pain. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're afraid. Maybe, you're, you, you, maybe you've gotten a bad report from the doctor or, or, or whatever it may be. Maybe you're dealing with a very difficult relationship in your life right now. I would say it's time for you to pour out your heart to God. It's time to cry out to him because how many of you know the Bible says that God cares for the brokenhearted? How many of you have ever been brokenhearted in your life and you're thankful for God's grace in your life during that time and that season? So we're going to take a look today at God's word and learn as an act of worship how to, how to pour out our hearts to him. And, and in fact, I want to start with a, a couple of uh, passages, portions of scripture, again, as, as previously written by David, when he's at a very low point in his life, which we find many times in the book of Psalms. And so uh, if you got your Bible, you can talk, turn to Psalm 142, or if you're using the app or whatever else, um, we're going to start in Psalm 142, verse 2. Remembering, this is David, the man after God's own heart. How many of you know, even a man after God's own heart goes through tough times in his life? He goes through dark seasons, and we see a lot of it in the book of Psalms. We see a lot of the stuff that David walks through. So we see in verse 2, Psalm 142, verse 2, he says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds kind of heavy. Doesn't sound like he's lifting up his voice in praise right now. He is pouring out his complaints before the Lord and telling him his trouble. He's saying, God, where are you? Things are really tough right now. What's happening? Anybody ever been there before? He's declaring his troubles. And he does it in verse 1, and he does it in verse 2, and he goes on in verse 3, and he goes on in verse 4. He's still telling, pouring out his complaints and declaring his troubles before the Lord. But in verse 5, in verse 5 he says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So what does he do next? It says, he cries out. I cry out to you, Lord. He cries out. And look what he calls the Lord. He says, you are my refuge. You are my portion. You are more than enough for me in the land of the living. But I, I like the word. I was looking at it, I like the word refuge. And, and actually, he uses that in, in several different places we see in the book of Psalms where he calls God his refuge. And in Psalm 62, 8, it says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. We try to trust in so many different things in this life. But God is our refuge. He's our source. He's our peace. He's our provision. All the things that we're looking for in these times of trials and troubles. He says, trust in the Lord. Pour out your heart to him. Cry from the depths of your soul. Why? Because he's your refuge. If you look at the word refuge, it's the same word that's it's used to describe uh, six cities in the Old Testament. How many of you are familiar? These six, um, 
Levitical cities, uh, they referred to them as cities of, of refuge. And, and what happened was, during those days, if you committed a crime, and most, most often what it was was uh, it was like unintentionally taking somebody's life. If you unintentionally, something happened and you unintentionally took somebody's life, you were in trouble because the family of that person, they were going to come and take you out and they had every right to. And so what God did is he set up six cities that he called, he called them cities of refuge. And it was places you could go for a time and you could be safe until you could get a fair trial. And it, it was unlawful for somebody to come and to take your life in a city of refuge. And so people would go, if, if they were accused of something and they wanted a fair trial, they would run to a city of refuge. And so, you know, I was thinking about refuge. How many of you as children had a safe place? A lot of us had different things, different places where we liked to go. Things got tough. Um, I know that I know that I liked, I, 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 liked, I liked my closet. Anybody, any of you like your closet when you were a kid? You would get down in your closet and you could get back behind your clothes and stuff and just kind of be, it was just quiet and you were just kind of, how many of you liked under the bed? Some, people, some, some kids like to get under the bed, different things like that. Um, I, you know, maybe, maybe the, your safe place is something you did. I, when I was a kid, I remember I used, to, I used to walk the dog a lot, go back in the woods behind our house. I loved going back there and, and walking through the woods away from everything. And it's just you and the Lord. But how many of you know that sometimes, sometimes your safe place isn't a place at all, it's a thing. How many of you had a, had a blankie or a stuffed animal or something like that, or one of your kids did, that they always held on to, and it was kind of their refuge, their, their safe place is, is having that thing. You know, I also thought sometimes, uh, sometimes it's a person. Maybe you were bullied in school, but suddenly you met a friend who wasn't going to put up with you being bullied. And they came along and they protected you. Suddenly they were kind of your safe place. Or, or in a lot of families today, say you're a family with kids. What happens in the middle of the night when there's a huge thunderstorm? A lot of times the kids come pile in mom and dad's bed, right? Now, is mom and dad's room much safer than the kids' room? Not at all. The safe place isn't the room. The safe place is mom and dad, right? Guys, the thing is... <laughs> The Bible says that God is our refuge. We have to call out to him. We have to go to him. We got to pour out our heart to him. He is our safe place. You know, our kids are pretty much grown at this point, and many of you are at that point in life as well. But how many of you as parents, even if your kids are grown, it still means a lot to you when they come to you and they need something. And <laughs> some of y'all are saying sometimes, no. Uh, more money? No. N no. Um, but you would be more upset if they didn't come to you. We love it when our kids come to us. Maybe they're having a hard time or trouble comes and they call us. And we're still able to be a place of refuge, a safe place for them in life. Because what? As parents, we love to be needed, don't we? And I believe that our Heavenly Father loves to be needed as well. I believe he loves to be needed by his children, by you and me. And I believe he loves it when we draw close to him and we call out to him, we cry out to him, and we pour out our hearts. We're open and transparent and sincere before him. We're honest. But he wants us to call them. Look, he already knows everything about us. He already knows what's inside anyway, right? But he wants us to draw close and to come near to him. He wants us to pour out our hearts. And so I'm actually at the end of service today, 
I'm going to give you kind of that opportunity. We're going to play a worship song at the end. I want to give everybody that opportunity for just a few minutes to, to pour out your heart to the Lord, to talk to him, to make it personal for just a couple of minutes and, 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 and pour out your heart before God in, in, in honesty and in, integri- in, 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 in sincerity and in transparency before him, to cry out to him as an act of worship. And before we do that, though, I want to give you a couple of things to think about when, when, when we cry out to the Lord. I'm going to give you two things. So as you pour out your heart to the Lord, I want you to remember to do these two things. Y'all ready? Anybody here today? Number one, first thing, when we pour out our heart to the Lord, when we cry out to him, I want you to reflect on God's faithfulness in your past. I want you to reflect on God's faithfulness in your past. As we pour out our hearts to the Lord... We look back. Now, I'm going to show you this in Scripture. We're going to look at Psalm 42. And uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. In Psalm 42, we'll start in verse 3. And actually, we're not sure who wrote Psalm 42. But many believe that it was actually David when his son Absalom tried to, um, actually did, rebel against him and was going to take the throne, Right? And what happened during this time? Well, people started seeing Absalom rising to power, him gaining all this influence. And so people started questioning David and and people started saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe God has turned against David. Maybe his time is up. Maybe it's time for his son to take the throne. Now we know it wasn't the time, right? That things did not end real well for Absalom. But they believed that, that, that God had like rejected David. And so David's at this low point in his life. And that's the, who many believe wrote this. And so in Psalm 42 verse 3, look at how low he is. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Look at verse 4. But these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of, pray, of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Guys, he's talking to himself. Put your hope in the Lord, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now, guys, I, to me, it's a pretty low place when you say, my tears are my food. I'd be getting hungry. My tears are my food. Have you ever been that place where you were in pain, you were hurting, you were crying yourself to sleep at night? That's where I see David. People are saying, where is your God? Can you see David asking even within himself, Lord, why is this happening? Did I mess up? Did I do something wrong? What's happening in my life? But then we get to verse four and he says, these things I remember. When does he remember them? He remembers these things. He chooses to remember them when he stops and pours out his heart to him. Sorry, we take this. (laughs) He pours out his soul. He mentions how he remembered going to the house of God with shouts of joy and praise. You can see the gears shift within him in this moment. You guys see it? Sorry. Sorry about that, guys. We just got back from a trip. Our luggage was lost, and I just recognized they were calling us. (laughs) I want my luggage back. (laughs) Southwest Airlines, yes. Where is your God? What does he do? He stops and he remembers. He stops and he remembers. 
You can see the gear shifting within him. He says, I remember God's faithfulness. And because I remember my faithfulness, he speaks to himself and says, my soul, why are you so downcast? My soul, why are you so disturbed within me? And then he says to himself, put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior, my God. I don't know about you, but every now and then, guys, I got to stop and cry out to the Lord and remember his faithfulness. He said, these things I remember as I poured out my soul to him. Sometimes you got to speak to yourself. Sometimes you got to point your finger at your own face and say, get it together. Why are you so downcast? Do you remember how faithful your God is? Do you remember what he's done in your life? When you get down and discouraged and life seems heavier than it normally does, you stop and you pour it out to the Lord and you reflect on his faithfulness in your life. And you say, why are you so downcast? Like I said, I want to give you a couple of moments at the end of service to just cry out to the Lord and pour out your soul. And maybe for you, like I said, maybe this is a good season in your life and you're just going to pour out your heart in thanksgiving to the Lord for his faithfulness and his blessing and his provision in your life. Maybe again, maybe you're in a different place and you need to cry out and say, God, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense what I'm walking through right now. I don't get it. Why aren't you doing what I thought you were going to do? Why aren't you moving the way I thought you were going to move in my life? Where are you in my situation? And as you do that, you reflect on his faithfulness and remember that he's never failed you or forsaken you before. So why do you think he will now? In Lamentations chapter 3, this is, uh, this is about the prophet Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah is having a really bad time. Well, <laughs> y'all know he's referred to as the weeping prophet, right? <laughs> He went through a lot of hard times. You want, you want to see what all Jeremiah went through? Take a look here. But uh, he, said, he, he even says, I'm a man who has seen much affliction. And so for literally 20 verses in Lamentations chapter 3, he lays out his complaints to the Lord. 20 scriptures, guys. It's verse after verse after verse. He pours it out. His struggles, his pain, his complaints, he just goes and brother goes and goes and goes. And he just puts it all out there before him. By the way, did you know you have permission to do that before God? I'll come back to that. Some of you may say, God, why don't I see you intervening in my marriage? It doesn't look like we're going to make it. You may be struggling financially. Financially, Lord, I'm a wreck. And if something doesn't change quick, I don't know where this is going to end. And I'm crying out to you. You may cry out to God on behalf of your children. How many of you have cried out to God on behalf of your children before? You said, God, have mercy on my children. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they keep making that decision. This is these decisions they keep making. And cry out to God on behalf of your children. You cry out honestly, just like Jeremiah does. Some people think it's disrespectful to cry, especially what we would call the spirit-filled church. Like it's, it's lacking faith to pour out and be honest before the Lord. He already knows your thoughts. He knows it's in there, right? He knows you're discouraged. He knows you're disappointed. He knows you're expecting something different. You think he doesn't? He already knows it. So lay it out there. You think he can't handle it? He's going to be all right. <laughs> He don't have to pull up his big boy britches. He's going to be all right. 
Look what Jeremiah says in verse 19. Remember, going on for 20 verses, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. So in the middle of this desperate cry from his soul that's gone on for 20 verses, in verse 21, he recalls the goodness and the faithfulness of God. He says, yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. What does he call to mind? The next verse, verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, Everybody say the next one. Great is your faithfulness. Guys, he has hope because he chooses to remember that because of the Lord's great love, we won't be consumed by the circumstances and trials of this world. He remembers that his compassions will never fail. They never stop. They never end. And I find it interesting here, if you look back at the verse He goes from talking about God to talking to God. He finally, in the end, he declares, great is your faithfulness. This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Great is your faithfulness. It was everything to him. It changes everything. Sometimes you have to get lost in God's presence. Remember his faithfulness. And because of that, you can have hope. Some of you, you need to think back to the past. You need to think back to God's faithfulness in your life and what he has walked you through and how you've seen his hand of guidance and provision and healing in your life. Think back to that moment when you said yes to Jesus and he lifted the weight of sin and shame and guilt from your life. Think back to when he answered a prayer one time that you look back and you go, there's no way that was a coincidence. That could have only been God. You think back and you remember those things in moments when you're struggling. You look back and you remember when he healed a relationship you thought could never be restored. He changed your heart. He changed their heart. And he brought it back together. You remember God's faithfulness. You choose to remember and to have hope. You remember the time that you were hurting. And you got into the Bible for a few minutes and you read a verse that you may have read a hundred times. And suddenly it was brand new and it was like it was written just for you. It's like, whoa. Or you walked into a church. You walked into a service. And the message started and it was like there was nobody else in the room. It was like God hand wrote that message just for you. Have you ever been there before? It's like it just pierced your soul. You think back and you reflect on those moments and times of trials and difficulties. You reflect on God's faithfulness in your life. What did Jeremiah say? He said, yet I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. Now, sometimes you're going to have to work at it to stop and to remember God's faithfulness in your life and to be thankful. Now, as I think back, and I am so thankful to be raised in a Christian home, raised in the ways of the Lord from a very young age. What, that is God's faithfulness. Because I don't see that for many, if not most folks today. Now, as I remember times, I mean, the enemy had plans trying to lead me astray this way and that way. And God intervened. Uh, there was close calls in my life that could have only been the Lord. Miracles, miracles regarding my health, miracles in all kinds of different areas. It's a miracle that God brought me an awesome wife and good children, right? 
That's a miracle. It's a faithfulness of God. There's times that we couldn't afford things financially. We, you know, things were tight, but God was always faithful and we never lacked for those things that we needed, you know. And God has kept us healthy and strong and, and, and provided for everything we needed. And, and man, in this church, there are so many stories of God's faithfulness in Church of the Harvest. It's crazy. We got to reflect on God's faithfulness. What did the verse say? Yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Some of you need to start calling God's faithfulness to mind as an expression of your worship to him. You cry out to him. You tell him your hurts and your pains. You pour out your complaint. Tell him you don't understand. Tell him things don't make sense. But you don't stay in that place. You don't stay there. You begin to look back and remember the faithfulness of God in your life. And guys, I can't tell you, even in my own life, how many times I hated a season in my life, but afterwards, looking back, I could see God's purposes and his plans being weaved through it. I couldn't see in that moment. All I knew was I was in pain. This was a struggle. I want out. God, where are you? Why aren't you here? And afterwards, once it's all done, years later, looking back, and you're going, wow, God was right in the middle of that. He was weaving his purposes and his plan, and he was working all things together for my good in the midst of all these tough things that were happening. I may never love that moment looking back at it, but I can reflect on God's faithfulness and know that he brought me through with flying colors, right? So we got to cry out to him, turn our, our, our pain into worship, even when we don't understand, even when we'd love to have it another way, remember the faithfulness of God. So we pour out our heart, we reflect on God's faithfulness. So the second thing I want to tell you, number two, is need to always trust in God's power and provision for your future. Trust in God's provision and God's power for your future. We're going to look um, at, real quickly at Psalm 102. And again, we're not sure who the writer of Psalm 102 was. But again, the psalmist is at a, a very low point in their life when we see uh, the beginning of this verse. So in Psalm 102, he says, Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Don't hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. Can you feel the desperation in this person as they're pouring out their heart and they're crying out to God in this moment? Guys, if you are at that point in your life, then you know what this psalmist is going through, what they're walking through in their life as they write this. They're pouring out their heart to the Lord. Their, their words are full of honesty and sincerity. They're being very authentic here. They're speaking to him from the depths of their soul. Hear my prayer. Hear my, let, let my cry come up before you. Don't hide your face from me. Turn your ear. Answer me quickly. And he goes on, and that's, that's verses one and two. Verses three and four, he continues. In verse five, he says, my distress, in my distress, I groan and I'm reduced to skin and bones. He continues on in verse six. In verse seven, he says, I lie awake. I've become like a bird alone on the roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. And he continues on in verse nine and 10 and 11. He's continuing on and on, pouring out his complaint, his distress, his pain before the Lord. Everybody say, but verse 12. Thank God for verse 12. He says, but you, Lord, you sit enthroned forever. And your renown endures through all generations. Guys, we cry out. We have to go from a place of pain to a place of praise as we cry out to him. And I love those words. How does, how does that verse start? But you, Lord. Everybody say, but you, Lord. Whatever you're walking through, 
We have to come to this place in our life to saying these three words because they'll change everything. Those three words, but you, Lord. We like to say today, we like to say, but God, right? But you, Lord. Those three words are the reason some of you are here today. Right? You may say, my life is falling apart. I don't understand. So I cry out from the depths of my soul. Like David said, my enemies taunt me, but you, Lord. You may say, I don't understand, but you, God, are faithful. I don't have the ability, but you, God, are powerful. I feel all alone, but you, God, are faithful. I don't know what to do, but you, Lord, are in, sit enthroned forever. You are still on the throne. Your renown endures through all generations. Some of you, it's time to bring the complaining portion to an end and to begin to have a but you God moment in your life. Doesn't mean the pain, doesn't mean the mourning, doesn't mean the discouragement all disappears in a moment. But you begin to reflect on his faithfulness and you begin to trust in his power. You've got to cry out. Pour out your heart. It's about being open and transparent before him, being honest, letting it rip from the depths of your soul. Have you ever done that before? You just came to a place where you just like came to the end of your rope and you just let it rip before God. Being honest. I don't understand, Lord. And then so you come to a place where you push through the pain to the point of praise. God, I don't understand. God, I don't like it. God, I wish there was another way. But you, God, you're still in charge. You're still on the throne, and you're still faithful. Your purposes and plans are still in place. You have plans to bless me and to prosper me. You do not have plans to harm me. You've been faithful in the past, and you'll be faithful again. You'll give me a a hope and a future. But you, God, you are working all things to bring about good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. But you, God. Some of you, like I say, you've lost somebody and it hurts and it's the worst thing imaginable. You've got this pain within you. You cry out to the Lord from your place of pain and you allow it to begin to become praise where you can say, but you, Lord, will never leave me and you will never forsake me. Some of you, like I said, you may be financially a wreck. You push through the place of discouragement and pain to the place of praise, and you begin to declare, but you, God, you are my provider, and I trust you. You may feel rejected. You push through the pain, but you, Lord, promise you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. We push through the pain, and that is part of our worship. How many of you know there's pain in this life? But pushing through the pain is our worship to him. You may have medical issues, but you, God, you are my healer, and the name of Jesus is above every name, right? You may feel fearful, and you don't know what to do, but you, Lord, have not given me a spirit of fear, no power, love, and a sound mind. We need to come to the but you, Lord, moment in our lives. You cry out, you pour out your heart, and eventually you come to this point where because you know his faithfulness, you 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 begin to stop crying and you begin to start praising and lifting up his name. In the middle of your cries, you suddenly begin to recognize who it is you're crying out to and how much he cares. You begin to rec- remember his faithfulness in your life. Your 
pray, your cry turns to praise because he is good, because he is faithful, because he's worthy of it all. He push, you push through the pain to the point of praise where you stop pleading and you start praising in your life. You come to the point where you still don't exactly know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen next. But you begin to thank God in advance because of his faithfulness in your past. He's been faithful every step of the way. And so you began to begin to thank him in advance as part of your worship that he's going to be faithful in this situation and in future situations in front of you. Does that make sense? He's always good. And you can thank him ahead of time. You can say, God, I know that you're going to prove yourself faithful in my life. I know that I'm going to look back on this thing I, I'm hating right now. I may never love it. But I know I'm going to see your purposes and your plans work through it and that you're going to work all things together for my good. Suddenly out of the pain, you find the ability to praise. Not because life feels good, but because God is always good. You push through the pain to the point of praise. Again, he can handle it, right? He longs to be needed by his children. Remember his goodness. Yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Great is your faithfulness. Look up, look up the story of the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's a story of hope right there. Our God has always been faithful in the past. He's good in the present. And because of that, you can trust him with your future. Everybody hear me on that? he's always been faithful in the past he's good in the present and you can trust him with your future so begin to pour out your heart to him in thanksgiving and in praise for his faithfulness and his provision and for everything it is that you need in your life begin to thank him in advance because he's always always been faithful for it so guys with that i'm going to begin to bring things to a close i i want the worship team to come up as we, uh, as we conclude here, I'm going to invite everybody to stand up. And, and listen, I want to take just a moment. This, I'm, I'm going to have them, I'm going to have the worship team lead us. They, they are going to play a song. And if that's what you feel led to do is to sing right now, absolutely sing. But I don't want this to be as much a corporate moment of worship as it is an individual moment of worship for you before the Lord. I want you to take a moment in this. And I want you to just decide what it is you're going to cry out to the Lord. What, if you were to pour out your heart to the Lord right now in complete honesty, in transparency, in sincerity, what do you say to him? What is it within you right now? Like I say, maybe things are great. And then you just begin to tell the Lord how thankful you are for his goodness and his faithfulness in your life. And you begin to take a few, I think we are not thankful enough sometimes, guys. We forget to thank him for all that he's done in our lives. And maybe that's you. You just need to begin to thank him and begin to tell him, be specific. You don't have to be all loud with it. And guys, maybe look, you may have been in a place where you cried out to the Lord. And I mean, you were, there was some wailing and some crying and some screaming going on for the Lord. This may not be the place for that. may not quite be appropriate in a corporate setting. <laughs> Might be better at home or with a prayer partner or somebody you love. You may need to do that. May not be right here. But just be honest 
and open and sincere. Some of you haven't really stopped yet. Guys, we go through the motion sometimes. We come into church and we sing those songs. We stare at the screen and we read those words. And we forget to even think about what they're about, much less singing them sincerely to him. We need to stop and we need to open up our hearts and be honest and open and sincere with them. If you've got some discouragement and some questions and even some doubts, tell him. He's a good father. He can handle it. If you need to say, Lord, where are you in my situation? I'm going round and round this circle. What is it you want me to do? He may speak to you and give you the answer as you begin to open your heart to him. He, he will. <laughs> Holy Spirit will begin to lead you in the way out of that. But you got to open up and be honest first. And as you do that, whatever it is that you're telling him, whatever it is that's coming out of your heart and your soul about where you're at in life right now, allow it to be a praise. Allow it to begin to become a praise. As, they, as they're singing up here, as they're leading us in worship, as you pour out your soul, pour out your complaint if you have that to the Lord. Pour out your pain if you have that. But come to that place where you say like he did, yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Great is your faithfulness, O God. What you've done before, you'll do again. What you've done for another, you'll do for me. And allow faith and hope to arise within you as your expression of worship this morning. Pour out your heart before him. Amen? Let's just close our eyes for just a moment. Lord, I thank you for these next two or three minutes. As we forget about what's coming up in the next day or two, as we get back into the swing of things, as we get back to work, get back to school, whatever it may be. Lord, we choose to lay those things down and to open our hearts up and be open, to be transparent, to be sincere, and to be honest before you. Because you're a good father. And as we do so, Lord, we choose to reflect on your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we choose to trust in your power and your provision for our future. And we choose to allow hope to arise within us. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a singer and king forever.